Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the love that you give to us. Thank you for the provision, for the grace. Lord, we need so much from you, and you want to give more than we need or want. Lord, as we turn to your word now, would you open our hearts and our minds? Lord, let us receive. I know that each person here has different things going on in their minds right now, different thoughts, different burdens. Lord, speak to us. Equip and encourage us in all areas of life to live kingdom first, as your son did every day of every week of every year. In his name we ask it. Amen. About 35 years ago, when I was in elementary school, there was a kid, and um, his name was Billy, and he was the biggest kid at Cybert Elementary School. He was also the bully of the school. But what I remember is the incident I'm going to tell you about, and then one other thing. And I don't know that I thought about this when I was that age, but I've thought about it since I was thinking about the story. He was a smart bully. And what I mean by that is he always bullied kids where there weren't teachers around, like found the ways to do it not to get in trouble. And I just, I just started thinking about it as I was thinking about the story and what happened with me, and this is what happened. So a bunch of us are out playing soccer, just kicking the ball out in the field. I had walked away, and I was standing under a tree. I wasn't too far away, but I was away, a little ways away. And apparently, at some point, somebody tripped Billy. He hit the ground, you know, did whatever, got up, he's looking around, he's all mad, and somebody pointed over toward me. He did it and ran away. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't learn all this till later on when a friend of mine who was part of that group came up and said, you're in trouble because after school, Billy wants to clobber you for tripping him. What are you talking about? I wasn't, what happened? And he told me the story and I'm like, well, what in the world? And this is what he said. I will come with you and tell him you weren't there. Like, oh, good. Now, to be honest, I was only partly scared. I wasn't a giant kid, but I'd already started wrestling, and I'd been working out for years because of BMX bike racing, and I was a decently tough kid. He kicked my bottom, but it would have been hard on him. After school, he meets us, and he starts, you know, doing whatever a fifth grade kid does as he's getting ready to clobber me. And I look over at my friend. Tell him! My friend looks at Billy and takes off running. <laughs> this morning I want to talk about being a witness. Testifying. I want to talk about what it means to give a testimony, be a witness 
for Christ. Because what we see in our readings today is that one of the primary callings of the disciples was to be a witness. Open your Bible, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Jesus has risen. He is with his disciples. And in verse 44, this is what he says. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Whole of the Old Testament. All these things that I've been teaching you, they all must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And probably this is not like he did some magic spell on them so much as he began to describe. He's doing a similar thing of what I'm trying to do this morning, except in a far better and more effective manner because it was Jesus. But he's teaching them. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So he does this great Bible study with him. He's already done one with some other guys he was walking with, explains things to him, but then he says this, and this is the thing I want you to see. You are witnesses of these things. And this is the point that I want to make. The explanation of the scriptures, the explanation of who he was and what he did, what he come for, it was not just so they could have knowledge. He wasn't trying to form an academic club. It was so that they would have the right knowledge to witness for him. It's so they could bring the truth to other people. Now, to them as well, their own hearts, certainly this was meant to impact them, change their lives, transform them. But there was a secondary purpose. They would know who he was and what he did and what he fulfilled so that they could share that with other people. Turn over, if you would, to Acts chapter one. Second reading for today also has the word witness in there. Different idea, still witnessing, but a different reason, a different rationale. So first, learn the scriptures so that you can witness. But secondly, Acts chapter one and verse six. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things and they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. The ascension. Jesus returns to the Father, but he leaves them here. Why? So they can be his witnesses until he returns. 
In both cases, he opens their minds to understand what was going on in the scriptures so they can be witnesses, truthful, effective witnesses. And he leaves them behind while he ascends so they can be his witnesses. They can continue the story. They can continue telling others generation after generation about who Jesus is, who he really is, what he's come for, what he offers. They're to be his witnesses. And it's interesting because I never really noticed this until doing the study, but I want to read you a few passages out of Acts. How common the idea of them being witnesses is. So this is Acts chapter 2. The Spirit has come. Peter has given the testimony. He shared the gospel. Part of that is he says this. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Part of his gospel presentation is we're witnessing to the things that we know, that we've seen, that we've experienced. Later on, in Acts chapter, or, yeah, Acts chapter 3, again, he's talking about what's happening with Jesus, but it's with different people. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Later on in chapter five, again, he is talking to a different crowd. Then uh, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. This happens like eight times in Acts. They are fully aware that as they talk to people, whether they are sharing the gospel, whether they're just talking to an individual, while Paul is on trial and Paul is explaining why he's doing what he's doing, the same language keeps coming back. We are witnesses. We are witnesses. Jesus called me to be a witness because that was part of the calling, being a witness. So knowing a purpose of something can really help in trying to fulfill it. Knowing the purpose behind something can make all the difference. For example, my nine-month-old is now crawling like crazy. He is all over the place. And if you do not barricade things, you can turn around and then turn back and you have no idea which room of the house he's in. He's just gone. Which, for the most part, that's okay, except for the fact that I have three other kids who don't always clean everything up. And the boys were doing a project yesterday that involved markers. So last night, I come around the corner, just the couch corner, I look over, and um, so we do this thing in my house, and I think I can say this, although I might get in trouble later, um, it's called Naked Baby. He's wearing a diaper, but Naked Baby is like everybody's favorite thing because he's so pudgy and cute and cuddly. And so like whenever he does his bath, afterwards, it's like, Naked Baby time! And so he just, everybody holds him and cuddles him. Well, apparently somebody set him down and he's just crawling around, so he's completely naked other than his diaper. And he's got a green marker. And I look over and he's like, <sighs> marking, and here was the best part. He was doing this. <sighs> now, he didn't get into his mouth. 
I got there in time. I like jumped in slow motion and grabbed him. But that isn't the purpose of a marker. It was not intended to be eaten for sure. Um, it really wasn't meant to like create tattoos. But my son just did whatever with it. And sometimes I feel like that purposelessness is the way that some people feel about why I'm learning the scriptures, about why I'm still here. There's a sense of like, I wish you'd just come. Like, I want to get this over with. I'm tired of all of this. Or there's a, well, I, I know I'm supposed to read my Bible, so I'm, I'm going to try and do it and, and somewhat check the box off. There's a purpose for those things. We have the scriptures so that we can learn better who Jesus is. Not just to give us some new commandments, but to learn who he is, to be able to share him with somebody else. And we have a purpose here. We have a purpose here to witness to Christ, to share who he is, what he's done. We have a purpose. And one of the things that you also see in Acts is that when they are witnessing, there is power in that witnessing. You see over and over again, lives are changed. They will be shared. I mean, that very first time when Peter shares the gospel, 3,000 people are listening. And when he gets to the end, their hearts are torn because they heard it. The Spirit moved as Peter shared, and they were moved. When we share, there is the opportunity for God to work, to do something in the lives of the people we're sharing with. And it may be huge, like 3,000 people's hearts being torn, and we're like, we're coming to Jesus. Or it may be small. It may be somebody who's had some pretty awful experiences with the church, and you share a little about Jesus, and they go, here is one person who's not a total jerk, and they know Jesus. And maybe you just chipped away a little bit at the hardness that was put there for, through no fault of their own. The church has done some pretty terrible things. But when we witness, there's the opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. I read this story about Clotilda. Anybody read it recently? Just came out a couple days ago. Slave ship. 1860. 50 years after slavery was outlawed. A slave ship that traveled from Africa to Alabama. And it brought 110 slaves. Tons of records on this. A lot of these slaves were actually sketched. Just tons of records. But, again, 50 years after slavery was outlawed, done by really wealthy people who tried to hide a lot of it. And up to this point... There were still lots of people denying that it ever took place, even though the ancestors of those who were brought over are still there. They created a place called Africatown. 
still there. And they have had to struggle for the last 150 years with all of the naysayers, all the people, you know, that didn't really happen, and, and, and their parents telling them the story, and then the next generation telling them the story. And just recently, it has been confirmed, they found the ship. And one of the reasons they know it, it is the only ship that has the dimensions that this ship has. But do you know what it did to the people who've been waiting so long to find the truth? How much it uplifted them to know that all the stories were real? It was a testimony. It was a witness to the truth. That's the power of the witness. We have been tasked with that. We've been tasked to be witnesses to Jesus. I think it's scary. Anybody else? Anybody get a little anxiety? I mean, just right now, I want you to imagine a neighbor that you hardly know going over to that neighbor and talking about Jesus. How's the pit of your stomach right now? I mean, it's a, it's a challenging thing. I mean, even our youngest is freaking out by it. <laughs> it's okay, Jack. It's, it raises anxiety in us, does it not? And here's an interesting thing. All right. Two days ago, Friday morning, my doorbell rang. I missed it because I was in the backyard. Aaron was in the backyard. Um, Kira came and got me. So I went, by the time I got to the door, they were gone. But they had left some literature. It was the Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, I was mowing the lawn, so I took the literature, and then I got to the front yard, and they were out there. There were eight people out there, different ages, going door to door. Now, here's what I will say. I completely disagree with the theology of who they believe Jesus is. They are wrong. However, they have heart. I mean, I can tell you what the rationale is for what they're doing. According to their website, their literature, one of the guys I talked to a while back, they are trying to fulfill the Great Commission. That's why they're out there. I applaud their heart. Now, not only do I think theologically they're wrong, I also think their approach is wrong. So here's a few signs that I found that I think are a great um, example of our culture today. No soliciting. We found Jesus. We love our vacuum. Our pests are under control, and our kids are selling the same junk as you are. No soliciting. Please do not knock. Seriously, let's not make this awkward. No soliciting. We don't want to talk about religion, and our children already spent all of our money. Unless you have Girl Scout cookies, go away. 
I probably shouldn't share this one, but I thought it was funny. No soliciting. We're tired of hiding the bodies. No soliciting. See dog for details. I don't think the answer is going door to door. I really don't. Um, even though I applaud their heart, um, I do not, I'm, up here, I'm not up here to tell you, okay, when you guys leave, in order to be a witness for Jesus, you also start going door to door. I really don't think that's our culture. Um, nobody from our culture wants that. What do we do? Because I really do believe the fears and the anxieties and things, they're real. So what do we do? Here's what I think we can do. Number one, we can start by embracing that we are called to be witnesses. No matter what that ends up looking like, just the mindset, the foundation to say, I am here and Jesus has not yet returned because I am called to be a witness for him. Number two, we can think about the reasons that we study the scriptures. And we can recognize that part of why we're supposed to learn about Christ is so that we know him in a way that we could share him with others. I would say the same thing is true about our experiences with Christ. We really need to think about our experiences with him. The ways that mean, has Jesus ever taken you through a tough time? That's part of your testimony. That's part of something you can share with somebody else. And in fact, that's something you could share with somebody else that really isn't putting anything on them. It's not even like a, let me read this verse from the Bible on you now. It's not that. It's, I had this terrible thing going on in my life, and this is what Jesus was there for me. You could share that. And honestly, I would say if you learn who Jesus is, it is much easier to share with somebody something like this. You know, Jesus really noticed people. Even when he was like worn down, even when he had done all of this ministry and stuff, his heart for people was so big that he always noticed them. He noticed them in crowds. He noticed a whole crowd. There was such a compassion in him. That's the kind of person that I want to be, like that. That's a whole lot different than going, so you know that you're a sinner because Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 says, that's hard. And again, I think, it's, I think there's been enough of a cultural shift that it's not going to be received either. But if you know Jesus... If you could talk about his love in a way that, know the stories, tell the stories. Talk about who he was and what he was like and how he treated people. Because I'll tell you what, if you can do that, it will also start to impact you because you'll know him better. I share with you stories all the time from people within the church throughout history and the ways that Jesus has acted in their lives, the way that he's moved. Why do you think I tell those stories? It's to encourage and inspire us. You can tell other people's stories too, especially if they're your friends. You can say the way that Jesus worked in the life of somebody that you really cared about. Those are all ways of witnessing.
And then number three, and this is where I want to see if we can start dealing with some of the anxiety, okay? So number one, begin to think of yourself as a witness for Christ. Number two, begin to think of the reason I'm reading the scriptures is I want to be transformed, but I also want to know who Christ is so I know how to share him. And then number three, this is where I suggest you start. Start in your own family with those who are believers or those who are open. Start by doing things like this. When you are talking to your kids, when you are talking to your spouse, that is a place where it is safer than your neighborhood. And I'm not talking about that relative who hates Jesus. Not that one. I'm looking for the easy win here. I'm looking for the way that that we can start to become comfortable talking about Jesus and talking to, for example, your kids and not just saying, yeah, you screwed up again, that was wrong, you're gonna go to your room. But, and, by the way, not talking in terms of judgment. But Jesus says, you bad boy, not that either. But, you know, I've got to work right now because I've got two boys. They fight a lot, like kids and adults. They're quite selfish sometimes. But to be able to talk to my boys and to talk about the ways that Jesus shared his life with others, that we're called to do that. In fact, he shared it with us so that we could share it with others. You know, Jesus had some people that did some things he didn't like either. And here's one of the ways that he handled it. But start with your family. Start with some people that, you know, if you screw it up, you screw it up. But then, as you get into that rhythm, start praying. I guess number four, for those of you that like numbers. Start praying about friends, about neighbors, about coworkers, about somebody, about an opportunity about just being open in a moment. I mean, what's interesting is Jesus actually tells the disciples, when you are out preaching and they start arresting you, don't worry ahead of time about what you're gonna say. Trust the Spirit. There is a place for learning who Jesus is, being in prayer, and then just being in a moment. Being in a moment where you just share Jesus with somebody because you're led to do it. I know it brings some anxiety, but I also know it's our calling. And I think that most of us here, maybe all of us here, I don't know, you love Jesus. You know Jesus has done things in your life. And and here's the thing that has convicted me on more than one occasion. I have had like a really good experience at a restaurant or I've gotten a really good item from Amazon or something, and I've had no issues going up to somebody going, oh my goodness, you've gotta try this restaurant, it's amazing. But I'm scared to death at times to do that with Jesus. There is a difference, I know that. But if we can start making a mental shift, your goal, church, is not to drive people to Jesus. It's not even to convert people. 
Your goal is simply to share who Jesus is with others and let the Holy Spirit do the work. That's what they did. I mean, heck, some of these passages I read to you, could you imagine getting out and going, yes, you were the one that killed the author of life. Talk about needing to trust the work of the Spirit. I mean, we're the opposite. We want to be like, no, 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 everything is good. Jesus loves you exactly as you are. It's okay, because we don't offend anybody. All you have to do is just talk about who he is. That's all you got to do. And then trust the Spirit. So, as I stood there, getting ready to get my face pounded in, the only thing I really remember is thinking to myself, do I attack first? (laughs) And that was it. And the reason I was thinking that is because that's what I was always told. And more than once, when it came to bullies, that was what I was told. Attack first. Now, praise the Lord, I didn't have to do anything. Because whatever happened in my friend, he ran partway away, and then I guess he felt guilty or something, turned around, and he ran back. And he said, he wasn't there. <gasps> he wasn't even there. He was over out of the tree. We don't know who did it. I don't know that. Now, it was clear that Billy kind of believed him, kind of didn't believe him, didn't know what to do, but again, praise the Lord, teachers walked up. We didn't have to figure it out. And here's the thing. I told you he was a smart bully. He just left it. There was enough there. I guess that was too much for him. Didn't want to worry about it. He had other people to beat up. Then would beat me up. But my friend being a witness on my behalf, changed a situation. Being a witness on behalf of Christ can change a person's life. And it's the privilege that we've been given to help change a person's life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help all of us to really come to know your son better, to understand him better, to be able to, both for ourselves and for others, to know the kind of person he was, the kinds of things that he did, the kind of heart that he had, that all culminated in the cross. Lord, let all of us, wherever we are in this process, begin moving closer and closer to being witnesses for Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would change lives, starting with us and moving out to our kids, to our families, to our neighbors. Change lives because Jesus is beautiful. Lord, help us convey that. In his name we ask it. Amen.